Hey everyone, welcome to episode 228 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, and we are Sans the Andy this week, and it's really too bad, because, well on one hand, fall is really here, but, you know, it's starting to feel like it, but he can enjoy that from where he's at. But the reason that it's really a shame that he's not here listening, and maybe I'll have to send him a link, because I don't think he listens, because, you know, if you're on the podcast, it seems redundant to listen to the podcast. <laughs> but it, I mean, I know I don't listen because, hey, I'm here. I edit it. You know, I, no need to listen to it for a third time. But this past week, we got an email from someone named Andrew, and we always enjoy getting feedback, whether that comes through a text message or an email or when we used to many, many moons ago meet in person, which we just started doing again, in case you haven't heard, that there is in-person worship happening again at Whole Life Church. Go to wholelife.church and right at the top of the page, there's some explanations there about expectations and getting your tickets to be a part of our in-person services again. But anyway, we got an email from Andrew who said, I always enjoy listening to the podcast every week. I'm a virtual church member, but Andy's message, which was on while we wait on the story of Abraham, really touched me. I felt like he was talking to me directly because I've been worrying about this and things that I have no control over. This also clarified the message. So, Andrew, thank you so much for listening from wherever you are and that you're a virtual church member. So we appreciate the fact that you tune in to the podcast and and listen to the message and, and join us online. And so, you know, if this message made it feel like it was talking to you, I can resonate with that because honestly, I kind of felt like it was all of us. You know, it, it certainly was to me. This whole while we wait thing, it's just something that we're not very good at. So I'm pretty sure that you're not the only one who may have felt like Andy's message was pointed directly at you. So anyway, thank you, Andrew. And we are happy to have you as a virtual church member. We'd love for you to reach out anytime or anyone listening. If you have a comment or something has moved you, something you feel like you want clarification on, something you'd like to add to the conversation, 407-965-1607, that you can send a text message or leave a voicemail or send an email, podcast at wholelife.church. All right. So this week, we moved on from Abraham to Job. And I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. Whew. I just hope that Andrew, who, if Andrews is listening right now, I just hope that he's going to have the same experience as last week <laughs> because here Andy sets us up with Job, right? And that's a little different topic than the, than the story of Abraham. But uh, Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know. As I sat and thought about this, once I realized it was Job, and I'm like, man, we're like yeah. knocking down the big guys here in the Bible, Abraham, Job. But has there ever been a Bible character that we feel more – I don't know, maybe closely tied with than Job or someone that we resonate with more than Job. Because, you know, when life at its hardest and everything seems dark and hopeless, to me, the same collective thoughts come into my mind. And particularly as a Christian, I'll be like, is this exactly how Job felt? I bet it is. Because most of us have <laughs> lost, you know, most of us haven't lost entire fortunes or had our children and grandchildren completely wiped out in a freak storm right in an instant. And of course, the boils. I mean, who doesn't hate the boils, right? Because we've all had that. And then to have this all seemingly happen within a short time frame, 
in all of this suffering wrapped up in this monumental string of doomsday events. But Job is our kindred sufferer, right? Like we, yeah, we, we know what Job went through. We get it. We borrow his thoughts and questions to God about why. And wouldn't it have been better if I had never been born? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the story is classic from the standpoint of, I think, as if you were a Jew growing, a Jewish person growing up in the time of the Old Testament, that story was given to every child. <laughs> oh, I Every bet. child growing up when they complained about something, because the story of Job is not just about something bad happening to somebody. It's actually, and it feels really unjust to all of us, it's something bad happening. It's a suffering that takes place needlessly. I mean, right. that that was, there was nothing. It was actually just the opposite. Job was doing all the right things yeah, yeah. and all those things. It makes place. you even more mad. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. it's like now we're indignant. Like, wow, I can't believe mm -hmm. this. You know, the other thing I thought about was, and again, speaking for myself, you know, wondering how many times God would have the chance to say to Satan, have you noticed my friend Randy? There's no one quite like him, honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, if that kind of thing still happens like it did then. But, you know, how many times would the way I'm living my life trying as hard as I can to just be the best that I can be. And of course, leaving my salvation and God's grace and not worrying about it, but just trying to, you know, remind myself of the things that I want to do. That's more like Jesus and less like Randy. But how many times would God have the chance to say that to Satan or would, would Satan even go, you know, I'm not even bringing up that fool's name to God. I already got, you yeah. know, yeah. he's not good enough to even worry about. So these are some of the questions that I've been thinking about this week and I just wanted to kind of throw those out there before we got started. But, you know, earlier this year, we went through in a Bible study, reading through the Bible in a year. I think I, I know I've mentioned that previously. But and during that time when we went through Job, there were a lot of people that had a lot of different angles to the Job story. And so I wanted to get your perspective and Andy's if he had been able to be here today. But is the story of Job a historical event or is it simply an allegory to make a point about, you know, the differences between God and Satan and to prove God's good graces towards his people and to Job in particular and to show that someone that really loves him will do anything no matter what the circumstances? Or is this just a, an allegory? Is it just meant to make a point? Yes. Yeah? You don't think it was historical? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm yes, saying yes to both those. Oh, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> oh, I like it. Jeff puts a he straddles the fence gently on both sides. I like that. Well, I mean, it it's hard. First of all, it's hard for us to to go down that road. And I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people who get indignant about it if we say it's an allegory, and there's just as many, many people <laughs> on the other side. It's true, but. But that's not the point. I don't think the point is that the biblical writer of Job wanted us to go down that road. He didn't want us. I think it was the meaning behind what was this story represented, much like what Jesus does with a parable. Nobody's asking whether those parables that Jesus talked about were true or not. They could have been. Sure. 
they could have been stories that Jesus saw while he was growing or, or whatever. But but the point was that Jesus uses the parable, much like the, the writer of Job uses a story to create an understanding. I mean, you think about Job as being a representative of the human race, and it starts to make sense because God comes to him down the road. And when Job asks, you know, basically he wants to have meaning for, you know, for what's going on. God could have said, well, to be honest with you, Job, you're just a pawn, you know? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And, but God doesn't do that. He doesn't say that, even though you could get that by the first chapter of reading Job. You know, you could say, and you could discount, you could not only discount the historical part of it, you could also discount the, the, the allegorical part of it by saying this story is is a setup and it's 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 unfair and it's unjust and if that's the kind of god you know you could go down that road real quick so let's just say that the story isn't lessened in any way whether it is or it wasn't whether job was an actual person or whether he wasn't yeah all right i I mean you can do it both ways and it still does not negate the meaning behind the story behind the story yeah yeah well, I mean, I mean, obviously, if it's a historical event, you might, in terms of how the, I mean, there's lots of different pieces. Was Job a real person? Yeah. Was this an assumed understanding of what took place? You know, is this so? You know, there's lots of different ways you can go down that That's road. That's true. Yeah, but anyway. I hadn't thought about that deep of a dive, but yeah, I get it. <laughs> well, no, yeah, because you're right. It could really, you could just keep going and going and keep drilling yeah. down further and further. Well. The other thing that I hear a lot when this is discussed is the access or maybe the latitude that is afforded to Satan as is given to the other angels in this story seems very you know problematic for people. It's like, well, if he was cast out of heaven, why would he still be given this access? And further, why would he be given so much leeway initially, you know, only required not to hurt him, meaning Job, and then eventually all the way down to all these things that he took and then, well, you can take his health, don't kill him. And he ends up with these horrendous boils. I hear that questioned when people are essentially questioning God's benevolence or his good nature or his, his methods, maybe that he would allow this to happen. So again, does it matter one way or the other, if it's true or untrue is, I mean, because we're still supposed to take the same thing away. What do we take away from that part of it? Well, <laughs> again, again, you know, it's interesting because I was talking with a, a, a Jewish friend of mine who was saying, you know, it's interesting that in our in our Western thinking, most of us want to come up with the right reason, the right answer. Mm, of course. And so it's important for us to settle in and have some consensus as to what this is really talking about. Whereas in a, in a Jewish mindset, at least um, uh, as we look at old Testament thinking was to come up with as many possible answers. (laughs) In other words, the idea was that there's lots of different things we can draw from this, but I don't think that the story is about us trying to make sense of how Satan and God interact. I don't think that's the point. We might bring that up as a sidebar, but I think 
that as we view this, especially in the context of what Andy was talking about in terms of waiting, right? There are these, you know, I th- I think the the body of this story will direct us away from that. Those some of those little some incidental those, yeah. things mm-hmm. that we sometimes get caught up on. Yeah. And boy, when we start to do that, then the Bible is kind of hurt because the Bible is not about a one or two little issue thing that you read about in a verse. The Bible is kind of be meant to be read as a whole. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I like the idea of trying to pick things apart and trying to, you know. Sure. But, yeah. But the point of the story is is not really how God communicates with the devil. For sure. I I think that, you know, these questions that come up, it's just, and it was kind of the refresher that we got while I was going through this Bible study. But, you know, I've heard this so many times of people that just, it's almost like a hand wringing. Like if we don't know the answers, do we really know the true intent of what was being said? And yeah. I think it almost gets to the point where it can cloud your your I don't know just cloud your understanding or cloud your intake of it so you, that you're reading and you're ingesting with a bias already because if yeah. we, if we can't figure this out then yeah we know that he had to wait but really looking at it from strictly the waiting point really changes the whole story like you said and whether or not right. this whether or not this is allegory, true story, Job's a real person, he's not, or it's folklore, or it's just a parable that is in, was included in the Bible because God wanted it there, because he impressed the writer of this book to tell this story. And then if you just go, okay, well, let's just leave that be. Let's just assume that whatever side you fall on is correct. And then let's just, but let's, let's read the rest of the story and figure out what it is. Yeah. But I also think people are really, so many times, like now there's, among Adventists, different denominations all over the place, you know, the idea of the devil and the idea of evil in the world and different things like that is still a question that so many people struggle with. And I wonder if that's how we just we lose in a, in a story like this, we can just lose the the overall theme and the importance. So I just wanted to touch on those to and get your get your perspective, because I feel the same way. Like, I think we just follow into these little traps that the devil sets for us. And we we just miss what's right in front of us. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, none of us, I mean, none of us know Yeah. because first of all, we're, we're pretty sure that Job is probably one of the most ancient of our scripture. In other words, it may have even come before some of what Moses, right? You know, some of those things were were thinking that Job may track back quite far in yeah. in in terms of its history. Well, the fir- uh, that being oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, the first time I heard of, or thought of it that way was I, I did a reading through the Bible in a year, and I didn't make it. Oh, yeah. I got about halfway through, and see, it's nice when you have other people keeping you accountable, going like, "Man, I I gotta keep up," because you know everyone knows whether or not you keep up. And <laughs> I, I I got about halfway through. This was about two or three years ago, and I didn't make it. But it was an interesting plan in the fact that it was from a theological seminary or theological institute, and they actually did the reading plan to the best of whatever scholars they leaned on what their interpretation or what their understanding of the Bible from as it was written from beginning to end chronologically mm. or uh, you oh, know, yeah. from the earliest to the latest dates that the writings were done. And Job came right after 
I think it came either after Genesis and before Exodus or after Exodus. So it was it was one of the first books I read and I, that was you know you're used to going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You know, you're going through the through the usual order and you're like what's Job doing way up here? So I guess I'd heard that before that but that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean we, we don't really know that you know it's kind of a a, a difficult thing to to even know the dates on these kind of things but yeah. Yeah, um but uh, that being said, there's a lot of history from the standpoint of Job being this, you know, story that literally has um, probably a, a literary sort of impact from basically the beginning. You know, when you think yeah. about it, it has it. I mean, you look at Genesis and, and the because the very beginning was verbal. You know, we had verbal the ability to have these stories passed down to us by virtual or ver verbal traditions. And uh, it, a lot of this probably was just, you know, stories that were told to around campfires or, you know, who is, who's to say what, you know, how these things got you know, promoted or passed on, but yeah, here's Job as being the very, one of the very first one stories the first. that we have. Yeah. yeah. Well, going into it, just thinking, again, I've never thought of this story before from the perspective of some of the lessons that Andy brought out. And I loved how he talked about the silence in this. Yeah. Like how 2020 is a lesson to learn that clearly doesn't fit the society we live in, the culture of everything now instantaneously needing everything, everything at the fingertips from your phone to your computer to instant messaging, everything. And the never-ending stream of information that we are just bombarded with every single second of the day. And then to pull out of here this silence, you know, it seems like it wears multiple hats in this story. I mean, you silence while listening and contemplating, silence while supposedly comforting. I don't know how much comforting they really did. <laughs> and, right. And silence because the pain you're enduring pretty much removes any desire to do anything but just sit in misery. I mean – do any of these or all of these have any common threads that you see wound through the story? Because it, it, the silence part of it is so hard for us, but yet it all seems connected somehow. And I really didn't, wasn't able to put my finger on maybe how that all wove together. Any thoughts on that? Well, first of all, it's, it's basically um, contrasted to the, the friends of Joe who sit there and all they do is talk, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so I think there is this idea that was probably that that is still very prominent. We want to figure out. We want to say something. We want to be able to reason our way, and so we we either put God in a you know in a in a somewhat of a human context we put god in uh with with very human personality traits i mean you think about the gods of of abraham and maybe job's time they were constantly putting god in the context of something man-made or man, or man's thinking that makes sense and so i think the silence is uh, for us to finally event you know finally just say you know what I may need to just shut up. I may need to, <laughs> to just be patient and listen, and maybe I'll find something out besides my own, you know, chatter, you know? 
Well, and it seems like, you know, from the way we live now, for so many of us, I mean, I mean, I'm the worst. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> silence is nearly impossible for me. If I do have a little bit of free time, I want to listen to a podcast. I've got, you know, I've got, I think, 45 or 52 different podcasts in my feed that I try to stay current with. And, you know, even if you average all those out to 45 minutes an episode, that's a lot of time. And it just seems like there's so few places where there's room left in our lives for silence that, you know, this lesson, again, maybe not all of us and certainly not me, it's not the way I've looked at the Job story before. I've looked at it as the loss and the suffering and you resonate with that, but then also you see how much Job was blessed because of the way he handled this in spite of his friends and the bad advice and even from his wife, you know, all these people talking into this situation, but the silence part of it, you know, maybe that's the key that really got him through this was the time that he did spend in silence. And Andy kind of referenced that in the redemptive redemptive suffering. I don't know if I've ever heard that term together, redemptive. And I'm like, this sounds like some type of mental yoga designed to make me happy and enjoy my suffering. But in reality, it seems more masochistic than benevolent. What, what is this redemptive suffering? And why, why would we choose it over, say, redemptive happiness? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, you know, any type of grief that you, you, I was going through some of the material that we give to people when they lose somebody. And there's some beauty in having something that, that goes beyond words. If, if you understand what I mean by oh, that. Oh, sure, sure. To think that Job finally was able to come to a sense of peace. And I guess that's the best word if we're going to find a word, but maybe we don't need to find a word, but for him to come to that place, wherever that was, and all of a sudden realize that it was okay, that, that God needed to be God and Job needed to be Job. And he was going to be in that silence and be okay with those two postured relationships. Uh, I, I do think that in our grief, in our sorrow, in our human brokenness, I do think that there are so many things that we just get we get clouded by the by sitting there and trying to make sense of it, or sitting there and trying to be diverted by our noise, rather than just finding a sense of. And again, I'm going to use that word peace, but yeah. it may not be the right word depending on who's listening, but but it that whatever that is to find that side and here we are just sitting chattering right now about it but it may be that silence is the only answer so if that's an answer no i I think so because and i want to just take that a step further just you know given the time that we live in right now with you know covid and so many people you don't always realize it i mean some of us are pretty busy some of us are busier than ever since covid hit because of the need for virtual interaction for companies and different things like what I do for work every day. There's a lot of virtual events that are happening and need to be produced and all these kinds of things. So for some people, it's busier, but for a lot of people, I think it's easy to forget how many people that were maybe, you know, shut-ins before or near shut-ins. And now that's been just 
amplified like a hundred yeah. times or more. And you think to yourself, and I'm thinking of someone in general that I, I saw not too long ago who has been shut in. And when paths crossed, like they could not be quiet. And I thought to myself, mm. and I, it didn't dawn on me right away, but then afterwards I thought, you know, they probably haven't talked face to face that much with maybe anyone outside their inner circle or, or even that for a long time. I mean, I couldn't have gotten a word in edgewise if I had tried <laughs> and I didn't. And then when Andy made, had a quote this week and I should have included it because it was very good about that, you know, the person that said, some people came to visit me while I was sick and all they did was give me advice and platitudes and all these different things. And then someone else just came and sat. They didn't say a word except to just say hello and goodbye and to pray with me. And as soon as they were gone, I missed them. And I mm. thought, how much like right now is that maybe what this, this silence part of this story, maybe this is the thing that we don't know who's going through this Job experience of maybe it's just loneliness. I mean, it doesn't have to be boils or losing, you know, loved ones, but just the thought of how many people are so lonely right now that maybe that's just what we need to do is be good listeners and, and connect. It's just something that I thought about as we went through this. That's yeah. something to think about. All right. This week, one of our whole life takeaways asked, what do you find most confusing or most hard to reconcile in the conversation between God and Satan and Job 1? And to me, the whole exchange just seems odd in some ways with Satan. <laughs> you know, Satan's hanging out with God, presumably in heaven, or at least that's the way I interpret it, with the other angels. And yet God in Jesus spent his life hanging out with those same type of people that others thought shouldn't have access to him either. So, you know, while some people say, why in the world would God, you know, give all this access to, to Satan? And yet in Jesus' earthly ministry, they, they said the same thing. Why is he hanging out with tax collectors and I don't know. There was a lot of things that confused me about it. And I guess when you think about it, like we've just talked, maybe it doesn't mean that much. But if there's something that you I, I'd be interested, because honestly, this has confounded me a little bit when I stop and try to pick it apart. But the whole exchange, like I said, just seemed weird to me. So what about you? What makes you wonder or question or what seems odd to you about this in Job 1? Of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts, just like Andrew, who sent in the email. Thank you again. So you can, again, send in a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or email podcast at wholelife.church. and be happy to share it like we did this week. Our final thoughts are from the closing to Andy's message this past week. He said, I think Job might say to us, learn from my story. Every good and perfect gift comes to us from the Father. No matter the suffering, know that it has a meaning in a larger picture, probably beyond your comprehension. I hate that part. <laughs> Probably beyond your comprehension. A lot of things are beyond my comprehension. And finally, and grow because we grow best and most in and through times of suffering. Don't you hate it when something that we do best happens when we like it the least? That's, but yet such good advice to remember as a lot of us are going through trials. And if, if you are, if you need just someone to, you know, say a few words, if you'd like to write it out, send a, send a voicemail, send a, send a text, send an email. I'd be happy to respond. Or if you just need a prayer request, send something over. I'd be happy to pray for you this week. So, all right. Next week, we are still in this. Is it one more, one more week, uh, Jeff, for while we wait, or is it two? I think we've got two more. Okay. Um, this, is, uh, this next one is on Joseph's life um, and how he waited. Oh man. And uh, I think, you know, I think there's a there's a subtle, you know, underlying message that's going on here and that is 
even though it's difficult. I mean, Job is a huge example of how difficult it is sometimes to go through these things. But yeah. we're we're always, and, and it, uh, you know, it sounds trite, but we're always going to be a better spot if we're waiting on God than if we're trying to fix it ourselves. It's just always going to be better. Man, every time I try to nail down like my favorite story in the Bible, it usually comes back to Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> it's just, I mean, every time yeah. I remember Danny Hernandez long ago at Deeper had preached this series on Joseph and it really brought Joseph to a different light into a different light for me. And it's since been my favorite story. There's just so many things like no matter how many times you read it, no matter how many times people preach on it, there's always something new to, to glean from that story. It's so good and so deep. So I'll definitely be looking forward to that. So, all right, that's going to do it for this week. So as always, every Tuesday night, join us for Speaking of Grace. If you've missed the message, it's an easy on-the-go podcast that is in your podcast feed every Tuesday evening about 8 p.m. if Randy's on time. <laughs> and of course, every Wednesday morning as usual. Next week, it'll be episode 229. So definitely stop by and join us. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great week.